Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. What is up, you fabulous listeners of mine? I hope your Monday was not very Monday-y, and I hope that you have a great Tuesday. Um, Y'all have no idea, but when I write my morning show, the part that takes me the longest is figuring out which deal I'm going to promote from Palmetto State Armory in each episode. I go all through the site multiple times throughout the day thinking, ooh, I'm going to tell them about that one. And then I spend a solid 30 minutes when I sit down to write, picking out the deals. Uh, today's deals are both PSA items. The first is a Blem 556 AR-15 rifle for only $479.99. And the other is a PSA dagger with extreme carry cuts in black for only $299.99. Probably going to pick this one up myself because I've been holding out for a micro And I just don't think I can wait anymore. Please go check out both of those links in the show description as always and pick you up something that screams freedom for the 4th of July sale. Oregon Senate just passed a bill to rein in paramilitary activity, not very freedom of them. What does that mean, you ask? Well, it gives law enforcement and private citizens tools to combat illegal intimidation, including through civil actions. Supposedly, House Bill 2572 has the goal of preventing armed activity that interferes with law enforcement or infringes on a person's constitutional rights, such as voting. The bill's passage comes amid a surge of domestic terrorist and paramilitary activity in Oregon and the Northwest in recent years. Armed anti-government militia groups have taken over public land, as they did in Harney County in 2016, at the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Attackers have targeted the electric grid. In a 2022 report, the Oregon Secretary of State Office found the state has the sixth highest number of violent extremism incidents in the nation from 2011 to 2020. The report urged lawmakers to take action because Oregon is one of just 16 states without a definition of domestic terrorism in the law. The bill would allow the attorney general to take a paramilitary group to court and get a judicial order to stop certain activity, including armed intimidation. The bill would allow private individuals to sue paramilitary participants in court for damages over their loss of access to a public space or ability to engage in a lawful activity such as voting. Lawsuits could be filed even if criminal charges were not filed. Now we get to the good stuff. Under the proposal, unlawful paramilitary activity would be defined as three or more people who operate as a unit with a coordinated command structure. The group armed with firearms, explosives, or other weapons 
would be considered a paramilitary organization if it publicly patrolled, held drills, or engaged in activities that could injure or kill. The bill would apply to paramilitary activity regardless of ideology. (laughs) Watch Antifa be the only organization heavily impacted. These types of laws are so arbitrary and subjective. Held drills is going to the range with a couple of your buddies and target practice considered holding drills because those are activities that could injure, injure or kill. You know what I mean? Like it's just... This is also an or, not an and. So any one of those things could be considered paramilitary activity. Normally, I just sit back and say, this is Oregon, no big deal. They're crazy. That's not going to happen here. But the crackdown happening across the country in the language of, quote, domestic terrorists, violent extremism is being thrown around in, in ways that are starting to impact people outside of crazy town. Speaking of crackdowns, the United Nations is proposing a universal digital ID system that would directly connect to people's bank accounts and payment apps. A comprehensive new policy agenda from UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres details an identification network designed to digitize and streamline the process of verifying people's identities on a global scale. The proposal is outlined in a section dedicated to, quote, global digital cooperation and sustainable development goals. Digital IDs linked with bank or mobile money accounts can improve the delivery of social protection coverage, and serve to better reach eligible beneficiaries. Do you like how they throw in this language that makes it sound really good and fancy and smart, but really it makes zero sense? Digital technologies may help to reduce leakage, errors, and costs in the design of social protection programs. The proposal follows a move by the World Economic Forum to explore systems that would track and verify human identities using biometrics. You don't need to verify my identity or have access to my biometrics for any reason, Klaus. You can get bent. The forum has teamed up with the Swedish biometrics company Fingerprint Cards and is exploring blockchain-based digital ID platforms that, quote, put privacy at the top of all major priorities. Oh yeah, it sounds like they are really placing a high value on privacy. The UN notes that despite the rapid advance of technology around the world, more work is needed to provide equal access to the digital revolution and to reverse ever-growing gaps in wealth distribution. Digital technology has led to a massive gains in productivity and value, but these benefits are not resulting in shared prosperity. The wealth of those in the top 1% is growing exponentially. Between 1995 and 2021, they accounted for 38% of the increase in global wealth, while the bottom 50% accounted for only 2%. 
Digital technologies are accelerating the concentration of economic power in an even smaller group of elites and companies. The combined wealth of technology billionaires, $2.1 trillion in 2022, is greater than the annual gross domestic product for more than half of the group of 20 economies. Yes, they just argued that they need to identify and digitally track you so that you can earn more money. You're oppressed because we cannot monitor your every move. Allow us to fix that situation by putting your eyeball up to the scanner so we can register your biometrics, citizen 918475-342. Man, these people think we're stupid. Okay, so I know the border thing is played out because no one on either side of the political aisle has any intention or desire to do anything about it. However, I think it's important to at least note some things that Gordon Chang said on Maria Bartiromo's, I think that's how you say her name, show, yesterday. He said, there are certain Chinese coming in that are really disturbing. Packs of Chinese males of military age unattached to family groups, pretending not to speak English. These are probably saboteurs who are coming in on the first day of war with Asia. Last month, there were more than 200,000 customs and border protection encounters with migrants at the southern border as officials saw record daily highs before the end of Title 42 in mid-May. Rep. Mark Green from Tennessee claimed last week that 10,000-plus Chinese nationals have been apprehended in fiscal year 2023. That is a 300% increase from the year prior. Chang stressed that while some individuals may be escaping China's pessimism and distressed economy, others come with bad intentions. He said, I think we're going to see acts of sabotage, assassinations, detonation of bombs, starting wildfires, and the Biden administration is paying no attention to this at all. China's economy has largely underperformed this fiscal year with its exports falling, youth unemployment is above 20%, and factory activity is down. The senior fellow claimed Chinese nationals feel that there's no way out. Under President Xi Jinping, An immigration watchdog group recently estimated there are nearly 17 million illegal immigrants currently living in the United States. 17 million. And that number has increased by 16% since Joe Biden took office in 2021. Biden has practiced horrible diplomacy with China and along the southern border. Chang warned there are only bad outcomes for his policies. He said, I hope the administration backtracks from that, but we'll have to see. And indeed, this whole executive order on prohibiting investment in China's tech sector that has not actually been issued, and I want to see when that comes. That's going to be the critical test. When President Biden was asked by reporters Thursday whether referring to President Xi Jinping as a dictator complicates the U.S. relationship with the People's Republic of China, Biden said, the answer to your question is no. I believe that, and I've said this for some time, that the hysteria about the relationship with China is collapsing and moving, etc., etc. 
We had an incident, caused some confusion, you might say, Biden said. But Secretary Blinken had a great trip to China. I expect to be meeting with President Xi sometime in the future, in the near term. And I don't think it's had any real consequence. You guys, they just flew a balloon across our entire country to collect and transmit intelligence about our sensitive sites. They have a reconnaissance base operating out of Cuba, and thousands of Chinese nationals are making their way illegally into our country. But you're right, Joe. The hysteria and confusion is collapsing. Show me the misdirection, big guy, so I can look the other way while you continue to sell our country out to your BFF. Winnie the Pooh. When FedEx vans reach the end of their package delivery lives, they're resold and repurposed for various things. Many of them are turned into food trucks, as their size and boxy shape are perfect for mobile kitchens. However, FedEx is facing a lawsuit for selling such vans, and it's been accused of the largest odometer rollback fraud in history. The lawsuit accuses FedEx of replacing the odometers in many of its vans with new ones that read zero miles, using the vans for a bit longer after that and then selling them at auction with 100,000 miles or less on the new odometers. With such low indicated mileage, business owners were buying the vans for top dollar thinking they were still pretty fresh. However, The real mileage was sometimes as much as four times the odometer readout, thus leading to countless mechanical issues that would cost the customers far more money. In some cases, the issues would be so severe, the vans were useless and businesses went bust. Stories like this are disgusting to me when a company is so big, they feel that they're above reproach. They take advantage of people. That little mom-and-pop food truck that just wanted to start their own business, and they lied to them. Ugh, this stuff makes me so angry. Tom Layton of Henderson, Nevada, first noticed FedEx's odometer rollbacks in 2017. Layton has been buying and selling trucks and vans for 36 years. He bought a FedEx Freightliner truck with around 180,000 indicated miles. When he sold the truck, his buyer hooked it up to a computer that told them the real mileage was around 400,000 miles. Layton filed his own lawsuit back then, which is separate from the class action lawsuit that FedEx is currently facing. Since then, customers from California, Tennessee, New Jersey, Florida, and Virginia have all noticed odometer rollbacks on former FedEx vehicles. FedEx did not always sell its retired vans. Once they hit about 350,000 miles, they would usually scrap the vans. It wasn't until 2011 that FedEx started auctioning old vans off through its fleet company, Holman Fleet Leasing. You bought one from them, you better check it. Uh, They're also a defendant in the lawsuit, which alleges that both FedEx and Holman intentionally replaced the odometers to artificially inflate the values of the vans so that they would sell for higher places at various auctions throughout the United States. Then, according to the accusations, both companies would split the profits. FedEx, with the knowledge and assistance of Holman, replaced thousands of odometers on those vehicles. The odometers 
as automotive components do occasionally wear out or malfunction and need to be replaced, there was no valid reason for this large-scale replacement of the odometers other than to perpetuate their agreement to commit odometer fraud. It isn't illegal to replace odometers. It isn't even illegal to sell vehicles with odometers that have inaccurate mileage readouts. However, to do so, a disclaimer needs to be made by the seller indicating to the buyer that its mileage readout is inaccurate and that the odometer was replaced. According to this lawsuit, neither FedEx nor Holman did that. Defendants purposely failed or refused to attach such a warning because they intended to mislead potential buyers of the vehicle. FedEx, of course, has denied the allegations and said they will vigorously defend the lawsuit. In other corporate entitlement stories gone wrong for the company, the Walt Disney Company suffered a significant blow in front of the Supreme Court. The court ruled that a lower court should revive a First Amendment lawsuit against Disney that the lower court had initially thrown out. The case stems from Disney's use of Lotsa Huggin the Bear in Toy Story 3. A New Jersey company had the trademark on a similar stuffed bear and sued Disney for its use in the blockbuster film. Disney claimed it had a First Amendment right to use the bear for artistic purposes in the film. The case will return to the United States Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in California to be retried. Oh, the irony. Disney will vigorously go after every mom on Etsy making matching Disney shirts or cups for families to wear on vacation, but for them to use another company's product likeness is free speech, don't you know? This also reminds me of the Jack Daniels situation. This comes at a terrible time for the Walt Disney Company as its movie and television businesses are currently hemorrhaging money. Disney is also embroiled in a lawsuit against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, which could also end up in the Supreme Court. Should the lower court rule in favor of Randis Lisa Alchul's Dees Lisa Industries, that's the toy maker, um, who holds the trademark for the Lots of Hugs Bear, which the one in Toy Story 3 is based on, Disney's going to have to write a large check. So just to give you guys kind of perspective on the numbers, the first Toy Story in 1995 made $373 million. The second Toy Story made in 1999 made $497 million. Neither one of those films contain lots of hugs. Toy Story 3 made a whopping $1.07 billion. Those figures do not include the money made from toy sales for the three films. If the toy maker can show that Lotsa Huggin being in the final movie made it successful, Disney is going to have to pay that company hundreds of millions of dollars. If you thought it was expensive to fix your car before, Joe Biden has asked you to hold his Metamucil. For a long time, automakers have been trying to make it difficult, if not illegal, to fix your own car, truck, or SUV. 
the dream of too many in the industry is consumers having to go to a dealership service department for pretty much any maintenance or repair job, violating your right to repair or have an independent shop perform repairs. And it looks like the Biden administration just handed them the key to make that dream a reality. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has told automakers it does not need to allow access by anyone in order to diagnose and repair certain problems. That flies in the face of the so-called right to repair law that has been passed in Massachusetts and undoubtedly will make vehicle ownership more expensive. Safety is cited as the reason for this shift in regulatory policy. Do you ever notice it's always about our safety? They need to pass these egregious law. Well, this isn't even a law, um, but they need to. They need to do this for our safety. We need them here. The government is here to help. This was not included in a law voted on by Congress. But instead, it was just something Joe Biden through NHTSA has mandated. And just like that, automakers can be free to not share access to unique tools and information necessary to fix newer cars. What? The federal executive branch issuing an edict that would fuck over the American people without going through Congress and calling it a law? It is almost as if They've deteriorated the understanding of civics and government to the point that people believe it and think it's true. No, this isn't a conspiracy theory. The lazy way that too many dismiss facts which aren't convenient to their prefabricated narrative. Instead, this is a very real threat that could easily cause the expenses associated with car ownership to inflate rapidly. There is a potential solution. If Democrats and Republicans could take just a moment to stop behaving like children, engaging in a lunchroom food fight, they could work together and pass right to repair similar to what Massachusetts has in place. Most of their constituents would be grateful for that collaborative effort. Um, last story of the day. This one is actually pretty cool, and I didn't know this was taking place until I saw it today, but four volunteers have entered a simulated Mars habitat where they are expected to remain for 378 days while facing a range of challenges designed to anticipate a real-life human mission to the Red Planet. The participants include research scientist Kelly Haston, structural engineer Ross Brockwell, emergency medicine physician Nathan Jones, and U.S. Navy microbiologist Anka Solariu. They were selected from a pool of applicants to be part of NASA's Crew Health and Performance Exploration Analog, or CHIPEA. CHIPEA, CHIPEA. In its first year-long mission, none of them are trained astronauts. Haston, Brockwell, Jones, and Solariu will spend more than a year living and working in a simulated Mars environment built at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. During their time inside of the 3D-printed, 1,700-square-foot habitat, the crew is set to carry out an array of mission activities, including simulated spacewalks, robotic operations, 
growing of crops, habitat maintenance, personal hygiene, and exercise. At 1,700 square feet, the habitat is smaller than the average U.S. family household. It includes a kitchen, private crew quarters, and two bathrooms, along with medical, work, and recreation areas. The crew will also face a series of obstacles that likely mirror those of a true Mars mission. As researchers simulate conditions like resource limitations, equipment failures, communication delays, and environmental stressors, NASA said in a news release when it introduced the members in April. The simulation will allow us to collect cognitive and physical performance data to give us more insight into the potential impacts of a long-duration mission to Mars on crew health and performance. Ultimately, this information will help NASA make informed decisions to design and plan for a successful human mission to Mars. The simulated mission is the first of three planned Mars surface simulations, each of which is expected to last one full year. NASA says the information collected and studied over the course of these missions, along with ongoing exploration happening on and around the moon will help send the first astronauts to Mars in the future. I will say a couple things that I am interested in knowing. Number one, is this something where the American people, as we are footing the bill, can tune into? We watched April's giraffe be born. I feel like we should be able to watch uh, pseudo-scientists. Well, not pseudo. They are scientists. But I think we should be able to watch this um, project uh, That's number one. Number two, I wonder if they're going to be able to change the gravity. Um, And I wonder like how much VR is going to play a role in this, in this teeny tiny quarters. It's, It's really interesting and fascinating to me that we're doing something like this because that's just one step closer. (laughs) I almost quoted Neil Armstrong just for fun, but That is Tuesday's edition of everything yesterday this morning. Don't forget, go check out those Palmetto State Armory links. And if you guys do enjoy the show, please share it. Please subscribe, turn on notifications. And then if you really like the show, leave a review because that helps me appear higher and then I can reach more people. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys. Hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.